All right, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Face on Fridays. It's also a brand new season. We got Divya back again. Hi, I'm so happy to be back. I was here for season one, episode one, and uh, can't wait for the new season. Exactly, it's been such a long, long, long time. Um, but yeah, we're back again. Um, today, we'll be talking about the effects of the pandemic on education. And as we all know, the pandemic has been going on for about two years now, and mo- most, most of us, yeah, exactly, most of us are students, and you know, it's been has, has such a has such a large effect on us. Divya? Yeah, I think. Practically every student who's watching this can relate that we have been affected in some way or another. Like I myself have, well, I was supposed to start university a, a year ago, but I postponed it for a year due to travel restrictions, visa issues, and and the like. And Iman, I think you've got experience with online classes as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, university, right? Because of the pandemic, every the universities are closed. We are not allowed to go to campus. There's no more face-to-face learning. I only had one semester in actual classes. There's only one, like my first semester was the only semester I actually was there, you know, in present, going to classes, right? And then because of the pandemic, we had to we had to transition to online labs, which is- How does that even work? I don't know, it's, it's a bummer. Okay, but I'll just give you an example, for example. You know, uh, let's say um, physics, for example. And one of the modules that we had to do was radiation. We learned about x-rays and all that stuff. So one of the labs was we're supposed to work with this machine, which would could measure the a Geiger counter, if I'm mistaken, uh, mm-hmm. could measure the radiation from a certain source. So what they did was they just filmed the video showing how it's done. And then they just mm-hmm. gave us the measurements and we just had to write a report on it, which is so boring. It is so boring. Like, yeah, we had lesson, online lessons for German as well with our teacher there in Germany and our class here in Malaysia. And that's a, that was a bummer as well because we were supposed to go on picnics to museums, all kinds yeah. of things. And, you know, of course, being on the train, going to the supermarket, we're also going to pick up the language there. Right. Which, of course, we had to sacrifice. But, but like, how, how, like, how did this pandemic affect your, you know, your progress in Germany? You know, like, for example, compared to me, right? I was fortunate enough to be able to come to Germany yeah. just before the pandemic started, no, just before, a year before the pandemic started. And so I could actually learn German in Germany, you know, hang out with the locals, you know, actually really, you know, like live the German culture, you know, like really embrace yeah. the German surroundings with me. So that kind of helped and, you know, helped with my German learning progress and everything. But how did, how did this pandemic affect your progress? Because you had to learn online. Well, it was difficult but it was manageable all thanks to the technology that we have we can access we can access our books online we can video call our teachers we can we can watch youtube videos all sorts of things which of course does not substitute physically being there but it can right. definitely get us really close you'd have to work harder but it's not impossible however we have to acknowledge the privilege that we have this mm-hmm. technology there, there are many out there, namely in Malaysia, who do not have this, and it's just really difficult for them, this entire transition to online learning, this inevitable transition to online learning. It is, it is. I mean, you know, with the pandemic going on right now, the modern demands of technology has increased its its uh, its scope not to from being a luxury item to then being a, an accessory or, you know, like a plus to now being an absolute essential you know like yeah. nowadays even normal schools they require some, a student to at least have some sort of a device that connects to the internet to be able to access online classes 
supplement the learning. It is yeah. exactly. It's like like before this, it was a supplement. You know, like okay, you had a you had a laptop. That's cool. You know, you can work. You can work on like your 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 assignments. You can on... type out your homework. Right. Exactly. And then and then watch some videos. Exactly. And it's then... not like that anymore. Now a lot of learning materials are online. Exactly. A lot of textbooks, like physical textbooks, are exorbitantly priced, and then you can find free PDFs online. Exactly. It's kind of like spending spending on a piece of technology to save. Is that? Yeah. That's. That, yeah. That, that makes sense. And but also, I guess one of the big differences is that you know. I'm not saying that you know there's like the the low income communities don't have access to these technologies. They do, but maybe back then, if you don't have a laptop, it's fine. You can come to the school library to access the computers, right? Because I think every school at least has some sort of library and has computers or some device for the kids to be able to use. But nowadays, we're stuck at home, you know. That's right. We can't like miss miss. You need to have your own personal device. And the fact is, a lot of these students or you know a lot of people nowadays. Of, yeah. From the low-income communities, they don't have access to these devices, and they don't have these personal devices, or maybe they just have one at home that the entire family exactly. has to share. Which is difficult if there are working parents and schooling children. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you mentioned that normally the schools have these pieces of technology in their classrooms, but um, there's also the issue of l- schools in like lower-income neighborhoods or such that do not have. This technology present, so when they when there is the transition to online learning, the students are they have no exposure to how these softwares are used mm-hmm. on how to do assignments online, on how to configure like Zoom or yeah, any what's, other. Yeah, like, what's Zoom, software. right? <laughs> yeah, like even for us, even for us as like as you know people who have who are you know accustomed to using technology, we've been growing up technology since since little kids. When we first yeah. got Zoom, we were like, oh, how, "How does this work? You know, how do I go to my meetings? So, you know, like, oh, how do I turn the cameras on?" Right. Yeah, Skype. Skype was just like normal, but this one, like, where like you know, breakout rooms and all that stuff. <laughs> it's just it's crazy. Yeah. And exactly. So like, because these low income, uh, you know, the people from low income communities, they don't have access to technology. What's the consequence of this? What's the consequence of this pandemic on them? You know, how does this pandemic has really affected these guys? And where, where do we even begin here? So the fact that a stunted education is a disadvantage should go without saying, but of mm. course we can delve into more details here. Like, okay, let's go into what happens after the education. Right? After education, one would either seek university, like tertiary education, or yeah. they would go for a job. Mm-hmm. Let's, assume, let's assume job. Nowadays, long gone are the days when you can like walk into an office or walk into a shop or such, ask for the manager, shake his hand and, you know, ask for a job. Like, may I be interviewed now? Now you need to set up an email appointment and interviews will probably be done online. So, yeah, getting a job and getting a stable income will be difficult for people in these communities. And scaling it back. Now, let's just take a step back. Mm -hmm. How would you get a job if your, your further, no, how would you say your like secondary school education has been affected? Like we can see the SPM students this year, they've had mm. to postpone Absolutely, taking yeah. their paper. They had to do it at the start of this year instead of last year. And this could be this could be a bump for those who wanted to proceed with their A levels or SDPM faster or get a job faster. Right. I mean, it's like for secondary students, school students as well. Like, let's just say in Malaysia, right? Because we're from Malaysia. Let's just coming back to Malaysia, for these students who are in the period of their lives where, you know, SPM is a, it's a big exam for them, right? So it's a, it's like a make or, you know, make or die, I guess, <laughs> is that the proper analogy, word for it? You know, well, I mean, 
I mean, it's not that not having your SPM or having bad grades for SPM will completely ruin your life. It's more like having good grades will open up right. doors for you. Right. So like it makes it easier. You yeah. know, it's like for and it's like for SPM twenty twenty students, you know, who had to prepare for the SPM, albeit the, uh, the, online, the, the, yeah. the 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 postponement, they still had to do the preparations online because they couldn't go back to school because the schools were closed yeah. because of the case numbers. So they all had to do online. So imagine if you are a student from a village, you know, a, a remote village, and you had to, you know, because in Malaysia we had we have boarding schools, right? So if you had if you lived in boarding school, it's fine. You know, you had still access to these school facilities, but. In this case, when these students are forced to go back to their village or you know hometown, and you know when when we talk about low-income communities, they often live in villages, and so when they go back to the villages, number one, they don't have infrastructure for internet, or it's very very bad, very poor internet access. Yeah. Number two, maybe their their computers are very outdated and it's not you know of a high enough quality for them to access classes. So how are they able to go to class? They can't go to class. So if they can't go to class, then their preparation is basically hampered, right? Exactly. Yeah, and uh, speaking of going to class, like for your further education and getting jobs, this also feeds back into the poverty cycle. Like as it is, these mm-hmm. are members of um, lower income communities, the what, B forty in Malaysia. Am I right? Yeah, B forty. B forty, and if they if they have if they have troubles completing their education and hence getting jobs, this well, yeah, as I said, it feeds back into the poverty cycle. Right. Exactly. They. Yeah. they it's like a, theor- it's a theoretical situation, right? You know, uh, they 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 try, you know, they, they try to do their best, but because of because of lack of facilities and, and you know devices, they aren't able to prepare as well as maybe their uh, you know more privileged counterparts. You know, those are you know have better access to uh, the internet or and devices, so they're not, they're not able to perform as well. Even though they know that, even though they're still very smart, right? They, they, because because of the lack of preparation, they're not able to you know do well in their exams. And hence they are forced to, you know, yeah. go back, to, you know, do go, you know, stay, stay, stay in the village, you know, become a farmer or something like that. Not saying yeah, it's a bad thing, but it's a waste of the talent. Exactly. Use in our industry, it can bolster our local economy. And like, the, if you're going to use that argument. Exactly. Yeah. And the fact that in education, everybody's supposed to have an equal chance. Yes. Right? Everybody's supposed to have an equal chance to succeed in life. You know, everybody, all students have the same access. Like at a school, all students have the same access to the same facilities. All students have the access to the same you know, teachers, resources, and whatnot. But when we're forced to stay at home because of the pandemic, and when these students who have no access to these facilities anymore because, you know, they're not, they don't have enough, you know, they don't have enough money to buy these stuff, they're essentially at a disadvantage. They're left behind, yes. They're left behind. They're left behind. And I guess we can take a whole another step backwards. You know, we're talking about secondary school. What about primary school? What about kindergartens? Okay, let's take another step back. Yeah. yeah, as you said, kindergarten. So, a lot of people, a lot of um, facility learning facilities aren't even bothering to hold online classes for kindergarten mm-hmm. students because, I mean, let's be real. We are we are teenagers. We can behave ourselves. We can sit here for an hour and concentrate. Would a five year old be able to sit in front of a computer and no. concentrate in their classes? No, Absolutely right. Not. So they've sort of put the, the I wouldn't say burden, but they put the responsibility of teaching young children to read and write like their first alphabet and everything. On the parents, this can be a tr- this can be troublesome if the parents have work, especially as we said in these lower income communities. Some parents might have multiple jobs mm-hmm. to bolster the family. Then this leads to okay, not a I wouldn't say a dip in literacy rate because of course these children would learn to read later on. But as we established earlier, it, this pandemic has been going on for nearly two years. 
it's a two year stunt in the reading, exactly. writing, learning. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, um, we often hear about these these marginalized, not marginalized, sorry, these lower income communities, a lot of whom are marginalized communities, like mm-hmm. um, indigenous one, indig- indigenous, <laughs> indigenous, indigenous. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't for the life of me pronounce it, but yeah. Yeah, they're indigenous communities, and they there is a tendency for them to be exploited if they're not fully informed of their rights, like their land being exploited, their labor being exploited, and right. increasing the literacy rate within these communities is integral to combating this issue. And the younger children of such communities having a slower learning process, having a stunted learning process would definitely be, well, it wouldn't stop it, but it would definitely be a significant stumbling block. Exactly, it's an obstacle, it's, you know, it's like, breaks on their development basically and i guess maybe to add to this uh it's not really exactly uh the effects of the pandemic on education but i guess to go one step further right nowadays as i said you know job offers you know job opportunities or basically information in general you know or even like for example if the if the government uh has has a statement issues out a statement right to the people you know uh, for example, about the new the rule, the new rules and regulations, or you know, let's say they open a vaccination center nearby, right? How, yeah. Like if if these guys don't, if these um, these guys, sorry, if these people don't have access, you know, to these kind of stuff, or they don't know about it, you know, they, have, they do, or they don't, as in they not no, they don't know about it. I mean, people have phones nowadays; it's quite easy to get information on phones. But let's just say uh, they don't know how to get access. For example, like uh, how to register on. Uh, on on the you know vaccination platform right how to how do I register yeah yeah. how do I how do I register for this stuff they don't know how to do this because they don't have access to this kind of stuff so in essential exactly it's just it's another uh, layer of you know disadvantage for these low-income communities I mean I I don't know if is is there is there maybe another consequence of the lack of technology on these people I mean like of course talk about education I mean of course the primary talk today is about education in general And it's because like we've talked about, you know, they'll be left behind, you know, lack of preparation. Education, and uneven, career. Yeah, an playing field, poverty cycle, and all that. What else? What else do you think could be another possible consequence of, you know, not having access to technology? I would say the social aspect of it. Okay. Like us being in isolation, being in quarantine, um, we are relying on technology a lot for socialization, to talk with our friends, video calls. We can even play games together online. And while it's not a direct part of education, it's certainly something that bolsters personal development, which in turn makes one a more effective learner. Because you know, work hard, play hard. You need mm-hmm. you need your friends. One as a, as humans, we need social socialization. We are social creatures. Right. So when one does not have access to technology and we are confined in our homes, as many of us have been for the past year or so, it it can help. It can well, it's not good mental health-wise. It is, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of studies that went on during the pandemic that shows you know, an increase in you know mental health problems during the pandemic because of that loneliness. Yeah. And, of course, you know, we're not saying that people don't have phones. I mean, of course... Yeah. Sure, I, I think generally speaking, everybody has phones nowadays. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not like... We're not, talking, we're not saying that, you know, these technologies are super, super hard to get access to. I mean, right now, nowadays, it's quite cheap to get access to these kind of stuff. Um, oh, I guess I guess maybe to add on something like this, um, quality of devices is also very very important. You know, I mean, I, there's a lot yeah. of news on. I mean, recently there's news on Malaysia about you know devices that students have been don- donate like you know, companies or you know 
large corporations or you know organizations donated technology to these low-income communities for the students to use for their lear online learning, but they end up being defect after about one or two months of being of use. So yeah. that's just kind of counterproductive because you know school doesn't last one or two months; school lasts a whole year. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, 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 and then with, so a lot of these times, these low-income communities, they don't have access to actual quality devices that will last them a long, long time, which is what we need. I mean, for just sustainable... Yeah, this ties back into what I said earlier about investing more at the beginning for more payout in the future. Expand right. more to save. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess it's enough for consequences, but I mean, yeah, the consequences are there. Now the, now the question is, how did this happen? You know, why is this a problem? in the context of Malaysia, because we're both Malaysians, so how, how did this come to an issue? Why is this still a problem in Malaysia? Okay, well, as we've established, the actual, the actual getting of the gadgets isn't that difficult now, isn't all too difficult nowadays, mm -hmm. but a major issue is internet connection and Wi-Fi, right. having a stable internet connection. Yeah, so... Mm. Oh, yeah. In like, Internet Wi-Fi. One, I think one big or the most major case that most Malaysians kind of remember was back in 2020. There's this one girl, right, in either Sarawak or Sabah, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, she had to climb a, a tree just so that she can get like a strong enough internet connection for her to do her test, her online university test, which to me is bonkers. You know, like just as, as me personally, as a person, I would never thought, you know, to go that far or to go, you know, take that extra step just to get internet access. You know, I'll just probably like, oh, where's the, where's the signal? Where's the signal? Oh, I don't have it. All oops, right. oops, I guess, I guess I'm just gonna have to, Yeah, just, you know, I'll just deal with it, you know? Or, 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 or like, or like let's, let's, let's say my Wi-Fi is, in my, my Wi-Fi is down at home, right? And I have one in class, like, oh, you know, oh, my Wi-Fi is down. Okay, you know, I guess no class today. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's crazy. Like, we are, sucks to be me. <laughs> no, we're, we're so privileged to think that this is like, Wi-Fi is a, it's, it's a normality. It's a, it's a thing that yeah. we expect to happen just naturally out of nowhere. But for low income communities, it's such a struggle. And one of the the origins this, or, you know, the cause of it is the lack of infrastructure. Yeah. That's okay, you, you finish your three. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a lack of infrastructure. Uh, from, for those who are not Malaysian, Sabah and Sarawak is uh, generally considered less developed than uh, the peninsula of Malaysia, or at least Kuala Lumpur, the capital city, you know, the infrastructure is not as great over there. And a lot of people live and still and lived in rural villages where, of course, they still have cell phone towers, they still have access to, you know, the network and all that, but it's not very strong. And nowadays, when you need a strong, stable connection for online classes, that's, that's not there. And yeah. Yeah. This also gives rise to the question of who is responsible for this. Like, should it be the government's responsibility to provide better network coverage? Like throughout the entire country, should it be the responsibility of private individuals or say corporations to donate quality devices to to um, to ensure an equal playing field? Right. What are your thoughts on this? I want to hear what I you mean. Want to say. Um, I guess before because before we before we start blaming governments or corporations yeah, on no, this, no. Uh, oh, no. I, I guess like, exactly. Uh, it's also another. Yes, yeah, it's, like, it's also a question of um, you know, let's just say the public sector, right? Public schools. You know, I mean. Me and you, we're both from international schools, so we're used to, you know, schools providing us with the best in technology, the latest in technology. You know, like my school had iPads for every student or like even Chromebooks for every student yeah. to use. Yeah, we had right? Macs. Exactly. We had Macs in school, you know, like, oh, it's, and for us, it's like, oh, yeah, we, yeah, it's, it's normal. It's a Mac, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's normal. Here, like, oh, subtle flex. <laughs> it's normal. But like, 
even 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 pre, even pre-pandemic era, like Malaysian public schools generally they don't have that much or that high of funding to be able to afford you know Macs and iPads for every student, and yep. that's that's where it comes back to again about you know. It's not a lot. There's not a lot of public funding given to education systems, you know, to Malaysia. As far as I know, at least. I mean, comment down below if, or you know, comment or you know, write me an email. I guess you know, say something if if if, if I'm wrong. If, I, if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, you know, please do correct me. <laughs> but as far as I know, based on my observations, I just see that uh, compared to you know, private schools, which is obviously clear that public schools they don't have enough funding to give you know, these students have enough technology, yeah. and you know, maybe may, maybe the government could you know give out you know uh allocate a budget to give each student yeah. a personal computer for them to bring back I a think home an, an increased budget in for education is is pretty much a worldwide issue not just here in yeah, Malaysia. It's, it's a worldwide you see issue. this debate in the u.s as well it's a worldwide issue. and i guess another um maybe maybe if you agree with me or not but i guess another cause or you know like how did this come to happen is that Previously, it has, it's not really, it was never an emphasis for, you know, uh, for, for low-income communities to buy a laptop because it was, it was never needed. Like, most, okay, most of them only had a computer, a house computer at home. You know, a laptop was not, a laptop was an extra stuff. And it's like, it comes back to you again, like what you said before in the, say before, like, it's a shock, right? This, this yeah. is been a shock. But for those who are accustomed to technology, yeah, just, well, I got a laptop at home. Yeah, it's, I've always had a laptop at home. I was not. I already knew. I already know how to use a laptop. But for those who did not know how to use a laptop, or did not know what's the use of a laptop, right? It's a shock, and yeah. the pandemic's really hit them hard. And now they're just like you know they're struggling with the jobs, you know, lost lost income and everything. And that you know, like, how can they really afford to get more laptops? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think developing the infrastructure that can support virtual learning and any kind of virtual interaction should definitely right. be invested in and this is not just for the pen not just for the duration of the pandemic because i believe going out of this well of course we're gonna someday someday we're gonna go back to normal life we're gonna go someday. back to physical classes but a lot of things i believe some things will still be held online such as you know in university we have these I think so, yeah. lectures you don't exactly have to be present it would be it would definitely save a lot of the uni's budget because these lecture halls they need air conditioning they need they need like you know what's that like the projector and all that, mm-hmm. it will save a lot on electricity if all this was just held online, these lectures where students don't really have to participate. Right. And I think this is going to stay with us. And It's inevitable. Might, there might be a hybrid in terms of work. Like some sometimes when there are meetings, you might have to go to your office. Otherwise, you can work from home, flexible hours. And when this carries on, like a so-called new normal, the marginal, not marginal, why do I keep saying marginal? The lower income communities are still going to be disadvantaged. It not is. Not to the same extent, but we should use this opportunity as a wake up. We should use the situation, sorry, as a wake up call and really invest with in where the infrastructure is needed. Right. I mean, digital skills will always, I think digital skills will be even more important in the future, you know, as we transition to an even more digital world. so. It will be like, yeah. like it will be, an, an, you know, a, uh, a standard, you know, like a, a normal yeah. thing that everybody should have. Everybody should know how to write an email. You know, Word, you know, like you know, Office Word, right? It should be on your resume. Everybody should know how to use Word, Office, Microsoft Office, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. programming. Programming is even becoming a more uh, valued give skill. It, give it 10, 20 years. Programming will be just as mainstream as exactly. being able to use Microsoft Word. Yeah. And, and, and when these low-income communities, they don't have access to computers or they, they're not as fast or other, as others are ahead of them and they're still behind, 
exactly they'll you know i guess going back to that point they'll be left behind and yeah main thing is infrastructure is the biggest problem in malaysia at the very least infrastructure is the biggest problem i think generally everybody has a phone or generally everybody has some sort of device that can connect to internet the biggest problem is infrastructure i guess yeah. secondary is i guess going forward in the future is about you know better equipment you know um teach, uh, teaching them you know like uh, maybe yes. programs to actually teach them how to use computer skills you know like I mean, maybe public schools can run you know like coding like hackathons you know or something like that no, some, something something more classes that can you know help develop digital skills among students nowadays yeah i feel like coding at the moment can look very intimidating for mm. those who are not familiar with it yet and i think there's something that needs to change it's going to be not just not just a nice requirement for jobs i think it's going to become even more relevant in non stem fields too like, right as time goes on all right so i guess we talked a bit more about the uh we, t- we talked about the, the the problem right the biggest problem is the infrastructure but you know how to fix this you know that's that's when we can start you know going yeah. blaming the government blaming the you oh know boy. the private that's sector and so like what's the solution right <laughs> like as you said the government should provide more funding to yeah, i mean in the ideal world yes yes we can sit around we can wait for them to invest in computers for public schools and broader network coverage but realistically how long is this going to take i don't know this is not dissing our government because it's pretty much a universal thing it's going to take time for this change to happen government there's a lot of red tape to go through before all this is authorized so another alternative we can push for advocate for or at least look out for uh private companies and their csr right like, i mean but then again csr i guess uh it's it's good private companies you know cs community community service and all that or, or like ngos it's really really good Yep. Um, you know, they help target the, the smaller, the local communities. As, as far as my knowledge goes, as, as, far, my, as far as my experience goes, is that private companies are really, really good at, you know, helping the local communities. And maybe they have a connection with certain uh, orphanages or certain organizations that say, okay, we'll help, let's, help your, let's help your thing. But the thing is, this is not only a local or, you know, a specialized problem, but this is a general problem. But, but going back to the government thingy, the government should... Uh, spend more on public education, on public, you know, on the education sector. But I think more importantly, yeah, there is the argument that that's what our, that's what our tax money is going into. Yeah, but I think I think I think the yeah. the problem is that the education sector right now they're still stuck on their traditional methods. They're still investing on books and you know things that are not necessary. I think there needs to be a modernization of what the you know what the, the outlook is. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting take. The pandemic has basically forced our ways, has forced us to think to think towards the future nowadays. Like you know, you know, like exactly talking about the computers that currently that public schools have. It's not great. You know, it's not it's not meant to last. So what I think the government should do is not heavily modernize their strategy. You know, think of better ways to spend their money. And I think it's like going back to solve our biggest issue is the infrastructure. I mean, that's not first the problem. That's not the problem. Education sector, but they could, of course, you know, tell it, the it's education, but it's a lot broader in general. Right. So. It's and it's like to like highlight to tackle our issue basically was the infrastructure and please invest more into the you know network coverage. Make sure and but not only Malaysia because if if we just say like oh it's expanded network coverage yeah, you know let's just say the, they just the, yeah. no no no, yeah. no not Malaysia sorry I mean not just KL because no, or mm. Selangor like yeah. because if we just say oh improve the I mean, KL and Selangor I'd say are probably yeah, the most it's the most covered in terms of network and internet like, yeah it's, it's good right but so like 
what I'm saying is, like, when you say improve the coverage, that's just, don't don't. I don't want the, them to go. Oh yeah, KL needs more coverage. We have enough coverage in KL. Go to Sabah, Sarawak. Go to like Terengganu. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Terengganu people. If I offend you, because I don't know. I, I've not been there for Can a long time. But, <laughs> but like, like Perak. Yeah, like, I, my grandparents are from Perak, so I know Perak. Like, not yeah. all cities have great coverage. Not all yeah. kampung kampung have great coverage. Expand. You know, like add. You know. I, I know Malaysia has like a lot of telecom companies. I don't know if the telecom industry is private or public, or I'm not like sure. Maybe it's half half. But yeah. private companies and the government can work collaborate hand in hand to improve their coverage. And you know, it's it's a benefit for the private companies because they expand their you know yeah. their customer base, I guess, and and it's better for the public for the government as well because they're helping improve the people's lives. So yeah, that's I guess the biggest solution. Back into the economy. It works into like exactly. if you're talking about online working or producing better quality graduates that will enter the workforce. Right, and I guess another solution as well is again um, for governments to launch programs to help educate the citizens on digital skills. For example, uh, one of the things that I've learned in school was to use Tinkercad, you know, for for circuit yeah. building. Right, and that's one yeah. thing I had to do for labs. It was like if I don't have access to labs, use there's a lot of free online resources out there for you know for schools to use for you know and then i think the let me see there's a lot of possible solution not possible solutions possible alternatives not alternatives i guess possible there's possible lot of possibilities out there for them to to use yeah. and i mean I, compared to malaysia as i mean as far as i know I, again please correct me if i'm wrong but universities in malaysia they don't have the same uh benefits given to students as here like for me like as a student here in germany i had a lot of benefits a lot of access i got free access to a lot of software like for example adobe right the adobe creative cloud i get free access to it for like a whole year because of like the university has a partnership with the company or something like that or like certain software is free for me like you know like everybody has microsoft office it's not really special but you know certain certain universities give free software to the students for them to be able to use and you know to learn how to use it Exactly. So a lot of software out there that you know these kids they can take advantage of to improve their skills, to improve their learning abilities, which I think is really really important for the future. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you said, we can't wait around for the government to do something. What What should we do then? Well, we can always be the only main option left apart from waiting for the government, waiting for the private sector CSR, is to bring our own generosity into play, donations and supporting NGOs. Right. So I mean, with that with that in mind, oh, go on, go on. Yeah, sorry, I just want to interject and then add something. Like, you know, we can we can sit around and say, oh yeah, the government should do this, oh yeah, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not putting enough money in there, you know, complain all day. Yeah. We can actually, we have every right to, not just yeah, we, we can, have we have every right, right to, right of course. To. But, but realistically, we, but, we need to look like, at short-term solutions as well. Like, yeah. Why not? Why not we? Why not we help our immediate community members? Like, if we see, or if we know somebody who, who needs a laptop, right? You have, I'm pretty sure you have an extra laptop nearby that can, you can use, or you know, maybe an extra iPad that you don't really use, but it's still usable in a usability. You can give them that. You can give them that. You can create... You can donate you can, it, you yeah. Can, yeah you, can have, you can have an immediate impact on somebody's lives, it can have an immediate impact on improving their education experience, especially nowadays where it's really, really important for them to have these devices, you know, you can have an immediate impact on them. And it's like, instead of waiting, sitting around, go do something about it, you know, donate or, you know, um, help teach your friend or teach your friend who's like, you know, teach your friend who doesn't know how to do 
Microsoft Office. Teach them how to do Microsoft Office. You know what I mean? Because like, it's 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 if you know something about it, like it doesn't have to be some monetary help. It could be in any form help that that helps your fellow, you know, your fellow citizens of Malaysia or fellow brother sister. You know, like you know, brothers of you know humanity, right? Brothers oh, of humanity, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, your fellow your fellow people to you know to be. To strive together towards success, you know, it's not, it's, no, it's, it's not a rat race, you know. Let's, let's not, let's just forget that idea of like, you know, I'm, I, I should be successful and my neighbor should be successful. I mean, let's, let's, let's be successful together. You can always help out your fellow members, and I guess Divya, there's something you want to say about something about that, right? Yes, with all this in mind and um, keeping in view the current situation in the pandemic, I've pandemic, I've started my own charity project. It's called the Nambike Project, which means the Hope Project in Tamil. And we raise money to get laptops for children in orphanages, as well as teach them how to use the use these devices. Right. That's... So we've been operating since I'd say April, April this year, and we've held two events so far and raised a certain amount of money. At the moment, it's about one thousand eight hundred ringgit. A massive thanks to our donors. If any of them are watching Thank here. Thank you so much. <laughs> Yes. So, unfortunately, due to the lockdown and the circumstances, we are unable to uh, we're unable to physically give the laptops to the children. Oh yes, we've we've received in kind donations as well. We've received some second hand laptops, as you said, Ivan. Like if you have a spare one lying around, you can always donate it to a worthy cause. Cause, yep. And we are also bettering the infrastructure because right now we are helping this one orphanage. It's called the Sai Pandian Orphanage, here in Setia Alam, near where I live, and they they do not have um, they do not have fast internet, nor do they have like a study area like tables and chairs for them to sit and use these computers at. So we will not just be purchasing devices. We will also be doing some renovations, minor reno- minor renovations, getting furniture for them and getting broadband for them. That's great! Wow. Once that's established, we will also get volunteers to teach them, teach them to use basic Microsoft and eventually coding. Yeah. Exactly. I mean. That, that I mean that's that's such a great initiative, Divya. I mean, uh, I'm so excited to see what's in store for the Nambike project. And I'm of course all links will be down there in the description down below. If you're watching YouTube, it's all on the description down below. The yeah, sign uh, house, YouTube, Instagram. Facebook, Instagram, everything's gonna be there. Even donation links will be down there. Exactly, guys. It's all about what you can do for your local community. It doesn't have to be, you don't, you don't have to go so far, you know, to do something. You can just find your local community, help help out in your local area. You know, to if you know somebody who knows somebody or you know who needs help with this kind of stuff, it's it's this is our responsibility to do this. As as us as us people who have the privilege of no, the knowledge, the knowledge of the privilege of knowledge, the privilege of devices, you know, of resources, it's our responsibility to help, you know, and give this you know, to share this this privilege to others who don't have have it. Uh but yeah, I mean, is there any other final closing remarks that you wanna say? I mean of course the Nambikate project is amazing. Launch down yeah. below. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we raise money primarily by holding events. So, so far we've had a virtual yoga session and a panel discussion of which our dear Iman here was the moderator. I was there. I will link the, I'll link the panel discussion run. down below. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll be, we're looking into a virtual run for the end of this year, as well as a bunch of video game streams, esports tournaments, and of course you can, just, you can donate to us, donate cash, or get in touch if you have a spare laptop lying around. All right, guys, yeah, go follow their social media down below to get for more information about that. Go donate, go help out if you ever can. It's a great cause, you know, helping out your fellow members you know, to um, to improve themselves, to advance in life, to, you know, 
get more, you know be be more digitally literate. Uh, if that's it, uh, thank you guys. Thank you, Divya, so much for being part of the show. Um, My pleasure. It's just you know it's it's a new season. More episodes coming out soon. If you yeah, guys enjoyed, to an enjoyed... exciting season too. All right, I guess that's it. If you guys watched the video till the end, thank you so much for watching. Comment down below on your thoughts. You know, maybe another alternatives, maybe solutions that you guys have about this. You know, maybe you know an organization that you are very passionate in. Comment down below. You know, I really appreciate it. It's good for the algorithm. Also, hit hit the like button and don't forget to subscribe. And I'll catch you guys on another episode of Facetime Fridays. See ya. Facetime Fridays, even though it's Zoom. Shut up. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.